When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's definitely going to be different not having those matchups that you would expect every year. Because the NHL drafts like 17 year olds, the NHL has to tread the water really carefully. Like, they don't even have a goalie. Like, what is, <laughs> what is the draw? But going into this year because of the Seattle Kraken's expansion draft. But, Where is this going? Oh so, no, so listen, I hear me out. It's going somewhere. It's, it's just not part of hockey. Like, really looks like that weird dad I don't want me to pick up from school. Like, Welcome to Slapshot Sweethearts. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Slapshot Sweethearts. I'm back after a week being ill, so I'm very excited to be back with everyone, back in this chat room with Shannon. And we have an awesome guest with us today, Scott Burnside, amazing NHL reporter, Super good coverage. If you guys don't follow him already, what are you doing? <laughs> so, so excited to have you with us. Yeah, thanks for having me aboard. It's, uh, you know, it's it, it does feel, I talked to somebody this morning um, in in the game, and it feels like th- this is finally the off season. It feels, you know, like the last two seasons with COVID and the bubbles and the, um, you know, the, uh, the shortened seasons, it, it feels like it's all been sort of jammed together. And of course, most recently with, you know, the expansion draft in Seattle, followed by the regular draft and free agency. I, I mean, it, it, training camp, in, I think it's 22nd of September, it is going to get on top of us in a hurry. So th- this does feel like that sort of pause where a lot of people in the game are, you know, sort of, you know, maybe taking a breath and, and, you know, sort of recharging a little bit. But as you guys know, the, the machinery of the NHL never stops. And so every day there's a little bit more news and whether it's Marc-Andre Fleury agreeing to say, you know, to, to, re, you know, to, to show up in Chicago, I guess, um, for, you know, the Jack Eichel stuff that is still outstanding. There's still lots of moving parts, but it does feel like we're in that sort of low ebb, which I think a lot of people could use right now. So. Yeah, totally agree. Before we get into all of those big moves you just talked about, 
you mentioned, obviously, this is finally the off season. We've been moving and moving for what feels like almost two years. Like, what was that adjustment like for you going from obviously getting to be at games and going everywhere to just like isolation, Zoom meetings, all of that? Yeah, it I, I, it has been, uh, you know, it's it, it's been a challenge. It, it's been a challenge for for everyone everywhere, right? That's the, that's the easy part of it. But for, for someone in, um, you know, who's used to being in a, a locker room or having the ability to uh, go and talk to a coach or a player or sit down and, you know, to have those kinds of relationships. And, and I'm no different than anyone else in the business that when you take that away, um, it, it feels strange. And, and it was, it was a very difficult period of time in terms of, well, how do you, you know, how do you identify stories that could or should be told? How do you reach those people? How do you share things with a, a readership? And, you know, until recently, I was with The Athletic um, doing podcasts and, and writing regularly, um, have done some broadcasts uh, over the years. So how do you tell those stories when you can't be where you are normally at? So, you know, that was, I, I think it's been, it's been a real challenge for a lot of people and even the, you know, sort of the social connection of it all. I think of, you know, some of my closest friends are, are people in the business, men and women I've known for years and years and that you can count on encountering, you know, whether it's at a draft or all store or the NHL playoffs or the finals or whatever, and you don't have that kind of contact and it's, it's difficult and, and, you know, it's a social business and, when you take that social interaction out of it, um, I think it has been a challenge for a lot of people, and it's uh, it, it's been it's been difficult, and and it's been nice, you know. In recent weeks, I had a chance to go to Nashville. I was in Connecticut and spent some time with Spencer Knight and his family. I was in Minnesota for the draft and spent uh, three or four days with the Minnesota Wild draft team, and to be able to have that kind of interaction is it's refreshing and it's a reminder of why we do what we do. So yeah, very long answer, but really in the end it sucked and it's, I just hope we're getting to an end of it. Right. And I think, I hope, I hope by next fall, maybe we're back to something that approximates normal in terms of how the game gets covered. Yeah. So you did mention it. We we're getting a little bit closer to normalcy. We did start to see it in the Stanley cup playoffs and, especially toward the final when most teams were able to have at least some fans in the arena. Um, obviously Montreal didn't get to until the very end, but Montreal being in the final itself was a little bit of a surprise. So what do you think in your professional opinion was the biggest surprise of either Montreal's cup run, the cup run in general? I know there was a lot of things that still weren't hundred percent back to normal. So lots to see there. Yeah, no, it was. And listen, you don't want, I, we'll never hopefully go back to that kind of dynamic, but I'll, I think one of the most interesting things, you know, was the Canadian division, the the North division and, and how, as the season went along, the dynamic there was so different than everywhere else. And, and Shannon, yeah. as you mentioned, as time went along, more and more fans allowed into more and more buildings in the United States. And until the very, very end, none allowed in Canada. And if you, I mean, the players, it's just so maybe it's just so obvious, but when you have 10,000 or 16 or whatever, the numbers got to by the end uh, in Carolina and Tampa and Florida and all the rest in the United States, it's a completely different vibe. Yeah, players respond differently to it. Coaches respond differently to it. And I think 
you know, we saw some good hockey in the North Division, and uh, and I don't know whether Montreal was able to take advantage of not having those fans, and if that had anything to do with their run or not, or whatever it was. But you know, it was a great run for Montreal, and 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 I think those kinds of things are important, and maybe that's what we'll remember of this the truncated season, and maybe hopefully the last COVID impacted NHL season is that we got to see the Montreal Canadiens in the Stanley Cup final and, and and all that meant to that franchise. And, you know, lots of debate in Canada. Are they Canada's team? Are they not? I don't think one exists. That Pierre Lebrun and I have this discussion all the time. I don't <laughs> think there is one, right? I think that people like to imagine that, but it's not the case. But I, I think that that was obviously a huge um, surprise. And I, for me, just watching Tampa go back-to-back and, and just a credit to – not only going back to back, which is almost impossible in the salary cap era, but to do it in two COVID seasons um, in a flat cap. And listen, I, I know people complain about Nikita Kucherov and the dead cap space, all that stuff. I, I don't care. That team is full value for going back to back. It's such a, a wonderfully built team. Julian Breesbon, of course, before that, Steve Eiserman doing a great job. And John Cooper, and I assume he'll be the head coach of Canada's Olympic team in uh, Beijing. And it's just a really remarkable thing to watch what they went through, what they achieved uh, in going back to back. So, and I always say, well, you can't go back to back because it never happens. Of course, Pittsburgh and Tampa have done it now in the last, well, 16, 17 and 2021. So what do I know? There you go. Tampa, I feel like unless you were rooting for them this year, they were the team that everybody loved to hate. I had a job interview and she was like, okay, please tell me who you're rooting for in the final. And I was like, never Tampa. <laughs> Can't do it. Did you get the job? Yeah. Oh, Sorry. Right, there you go. <laughs> Hell yeah. And, I think, but I think you're right. And it's interesting. And I wonder if there's, you know, to me, there's a little, a little bit of that with Vegas too, right? Because if Vegas yeah. didn't have to expose anyone in the expansion draft, didn't have to pay the money. And I, I think there's a little, you know, how come Vegas has it so good? But oh, definitely Tampa. There were a lot, I think there were a lot of people hoping that there was going to be some cap karma uh, against Tampa. And I will say, and not because of any uh, any reason, uh, and they can thank me later. I believe I picked them to lose all four rounds. I, I just I just thought it, it's too hard to go back to back. I thought Florida might have a shot. Carolina was my preseason cup pick. Uh, the Islanders, uh, I, I thought the Islanders, and they came this close. And then I just picked Montreal because why Why go against the green? But, yeah, 0 for 4 against uh, picking Tampa. So I had Florida going all the way. My bracket was busted very early on. Yeah, I can relate. <laughs> Disappointed. Oh, okay. So let's go sequentially here. So we have the cup. Tampa Bay goes back to back. Hate to see it. It's fine. Then we get to the expansion here. Vegas obviously is not involved here. What were the biggest surprises for you, whether from people being left unprotected or Seattle's choices? Well, I think a little bit of both. And, you know, as we know, there were so many um, big ticket or high profile players that were made available to Seattle and whether it was a PK Subban or Vladimir Tarasenko and uh, Jacob Vorchak, go down the list. There were a, there were a lot more, um, high-end players available than when Vegas went to, to pick. And then Ron Francis really, I think, sort of turned the process on its ear where, 
I thought that he was much more conservative in the actual expansion process than I thought he might be. And then sort of turned and made a couple of, I thought, really astute free agency moves. And certainly, I know there's some issue with the structure of the contract, but Philip Grubauer was was the key one for me, uh, picking up Jaden Schwartz from St. Louis, Alex Wenberg. Um, and, and now you can see, like, to me, that looks like a team that you think, okay, you already sense that they're going to be really hard to play against. I think Dave Haxtell is going to do a great job in his second go around as an NHL head coach. So that part of it was really different to me. And, and I think when you look at teams and the players they expose, I mean, there's, I mean, the carry price is a little bit different for me because I, I think, I, I think Montreal felt that he wouldn't be selected uh, with still a gamble, but I do think there were players who were exposed where teams were sort of hopeful that Seattle would bite. And whether it's Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson in Nashville or Tarasenko in St. Louis, um, go down that list, it didn't happen. And now, it, you know, and that's sort of created the ripple effect of what we've seen in free agency and, you know, what teams are having to do with the flat cap and uh, 81.5 million, which is likely going to be the same for two or three years, three or four years. So um, all of it was fascinating to see. I, I just thought Seattle did such a nice job. And um, even though a lot of the players' names had leaked out, in advance, it didn't seem to dull the enthusiasm in Seattle. And I think that franchise is, they're going to be rock stars there. It's going to be great to watch. And those jerseys are just chef's kiss. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. so ready. Give me that yeah, Brady Tanner right a, now. You made a great point about, you know, a lot of the time in this expansion draft in particular, teams exposed players because they didn't want to keep them, not because they, you know, it was an opportunity for Seattle. And look, you've mentioned Jake Voracek. I know that they, him and Philadelphia had already agreed that he wasn't going to be with him or with them for next season just because, you know, his shelf life is up. His cap space is awful if you look at a frozen cap era. And there were quite a few different scenarios like that throughout the league where I think fans were like, oh, you're going to take so-and-so for me. And it did not happen. Yeah, well, and even, you know, again, the and I think we waited for this uh, after the, you know, as Seattle was making the, you know, confirming the the players they were selecting, almost no, I don't think there was. There was single side deal. So none no, of what we saw, right. Yeah. So none of what we saw with Vegas where there were a million things and, and GMs bent over backwards, overthinking it. And, you know, whether it was Columbus or Florida or Minnesota back in 17, that I really do think GMs learned their lesson and, you know, whatever Ron Francis tried to, um, you know, extract from teams. Um, he was happy to have the, the cap space and to move on to plan B if that, if that wasn't already plan A in free agency. But we didn't see, you know, the mistakes made by GMs in 2017 repeated. And I, I, we probably shouldn't be surprised, but that was another part of it, that there wasn't, okay, or even, for, you know, for some of those players, well, I, I'll take, and, and let's just say um, Matt Duchesne or Ryan Johansson, but it's going to cost you a first round pick or it's going to cost you this. And those kind, those things didn't happen. And that's, uh, you know, I, it, it may have not have had that sort of sizzle on the day of the expansion draft, uh, but I don't think Ron Francis cares. He's not going for sizzle. <laughs> he's going, he's looking big picture. So. Yeah, you could, you could kind of argue they were doing some very conservative moves of not really making moves until this draft and then kind of still being a little quiet. Like, I feel like Vegas came in and they were just like, hear me roar, we're Vegas. But <laughs> yeah. Seattle's kind of like, we're going to try and fly under the radar 
and you're just going to have to like wait and see. Well, and I'll ask, like, I don't know what, what you think, but to me, the interesting part will be, well, which, which William, who's the William Carlson on the Seattle team or who's, mm-hmm. who's the, the player that might've been buried depth wise. you know, Yanni Gord's an obvious one, maybe from Tampa, but I think everyone understands he's a, he's an elite talent, but you know, it's a Cali yarn crock or, who, who comes up and has that 30 or 35 goal season and you're like, ah, oh, yeah, that was, that makes sense. What you did there. Yeah. So, yeah. Totally. Totally. Well, you know, obviously then we had the entry draft, what was it? 48 hours later, the NHL really packed that week with a punch. Um, yeah. And we had some great picks. Obviously now the Hughes family has, three brothers in the league, two of which are in New Jersey. I know there's been a lot of rumors of people wanting them all to be in New Jersey, but Quinn is still in Vancouver at the moment. It was an interesting draft though. Yeah, no. And I think, and again, because there was, uh, there was so much fluidity in terms of what scouts had to work with. Right. I mean, you had players who normally would have been playing in the OHL who went overseas or they didn't play at all, or they had to, maybe there were no games. Maybe it was just, you know, very, you know, sort of a a very tight focus on the kinds of things they were able to do on the ice. You know, the Quebec league had some, they had some games, but then they had COVID. So they had to narrow that down. And um, so it really was all over the map and it was interesting and, and having had a chance to spend a few days with the Minnesota wild leading up to the draft um, and listening to their scouts and, and how they prepared their list. I thought there would be a lot more, um, you know, like caveats or if this happens, well, maybe we should go this direction, but their list was pretty rock solid. And it was, it was an an outstanding list that they put together. And um, so I, I, and my sense of it, there's a lot of teams were like, tried to block out that white noise of, I don't know, let's not, you know, what, what do we know? Right. And I guess that's what it narrowed down to what, you know, what you believe given the information that you have, because your information is the same as everyone else and then really stick to your guns. And I think that's what the good teams do. They don't get, they don't go down a rabbit hole of things look different. And and I don't, you know, I don't, I don't profess to, I didn't have a draft list. <laughs> I know who any of these kids are for the most part, because that's not really what, you know, it's not sort of my thing, but it was interesting to watch the Minnesota list was very true. Um, they ended up taking the goaltender, uh, Jesper Wallstead, um, who had, they had in their top 10 fell to them. They made a trade and I think they got him with the 20th pick, but you know, that they stuck to their list and that's how it went. And I, my guess is that's how a lot of teams, if they didn't do it that way, that's probably what they wish they could have done is not get all bent out of shape. So it takes away all the sloppiness. Like it's a bit more <laughs> lucky land casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky, lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, team Ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, 
and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Streamlined there. Yeah. Okay. So we have the expansion. We've drafted who we've got. Free agencies here. We're in it. Last Wednesday, wild. I got no work done. (laughs) (laughs) Shan was literally Twitter all day. And I was like, (laughs) I'm busy. (laughs) So what moves stuck out to you? I'm still upset. I'm a Mark Andre Mark Andre Fleury forever fan. I'm livid, but I will digress. What is your big move? Stick out everything here. Yeah, I mean there were a few, and it and, and it's interesting. You know, the um, it, it, we there was a lot of focus on the goaltending, right? Because the goaltending yeah. was was zany, right? I mean, Peter Mrazek goes to Toronto. You know, are he and Jack Campbell the tandem that they need? Meanwhile, Freddie Anderson ends up in Carolina, uh, and uh, Auntie Ranta comes from Arizona. Is that what they needed? A lot of people were shocked um, that the the Hurricanes gave up on uh, Consmite, or not Consmite, the uh, Calder Trophy finalist Alex Nedeljkovic, um, who's now in Detroit. So there was a lot of movement there. You know, for me, I, I was really interested to see where the market value is for elite defensemen now. And I think of, you know, Dougie Hamilton, seven years, $9 million in New Jersey. That's a that's a big bite. And Dougie Hamilton's a, a really good, solid player. That's a that's a big investment for the New Jersey Devils. But to me, it speaks to, all right, what are we, you know, what are we building here? And that Devils team on the back end is a lot. Ryan Grace comes over. From uh, from Colorado, they're bigger. They're going to be harder to play against. Um, Seth Jones, one of you know one of my favorite players. He's such a, a treat to deal with, and so he's uh, just so thoughtful and really an interesting guy. And you know the deal he signs in Chicago after being traded from Columbus, and that's another that's another big number as well. And I think you know, Kale McCarr's extension. So I think that's what you're seeing now is okay. Let's where is the market for those defensemen. And I, I know we had JP Barry um, who represents so many of the top players in the game, including Dougie Hamilton. And we were just talking about the shift in, you know, that, that the, the money now spent on those defensemen that you, and the, and GMs are like, okay, we have to build this way. We have to build the blue line up and it's probably taken away money from the goaltenders. Right. I, I thought Philip Grubauer, I thought he might be worth more in the open market. And and the and the goaltenders that we saw moved maybe were not at a price point that you might have expected given how important the position is. But it's almost like ah, there's sort of a gray area of goaltenders. So we're going to push all our chips on those elite defensemen because they are elite to, you know, Zach Lorensky signing the extension in Columbus, another guy like that. So I thought that was interesting that the market seems to have really shifted in terms of, what is the value of a cornerstone defenseman? And it's up here. And I think maybe before it might've been here. Oh so. yeah. Last season was huge for that. Shannon and I talked about this all the time, watch so many teams and it's like, everyone really wants to be quick to blame a goalie, like me included. Like sure. I'm a Penguins fan. Like I want to blame my goalie 24 oh. seven, but defense is something that really struggled last year for so many teams. Yep. And that is making them so much more valuable because you can't win. Well, yeah, and I think you're. It's so. I think it's always been that way, but it is to me. It's like the pendulum, right? The 
do you need a franchise center? And and if you go back and maybe historically after the Crosby draft and um, you, you had to have that depth down the middle and, and the Kings, if you go back to when they won the cups and, you know, the cups in 12 and 14 um, Pittsburgh's back to back going to the final in 08 and then winning in 09, you look down the middle, it's Crosby, Malcolm, Jordan Stahl. Um, you think of the Kings and it's, uh, Andre Kopitar and and the group that they were that uh, Dean Lombardi assembled in Los Angeles, um, and now you're and it doesn't mean centers are any less important now, but maybe it's like okay we've got a let's get a franchise goalie and let's pay him top dollar and then you're like wait a minute what they, it's hard to know if they develop you know they develop later so let's now spend all our money on D and I think that's you know in two or three years if we do a podcast and it might be like holy cow right wingers are now making nine million it just may be that kind of pendulum so yeah i'm concerned as a bruins fan mcavoy is going to need some money soon and looking at how dougie hamilton and mira heiskanen and seth jones no are getting money i am going to be flat broke in boston <laughs> <laughs> i had i had charlie mcavoy as my he was my number one um i uh I, he was my norris guy he was number one on my yeah, list. He, i and thought he was at least the nomination yeah, but. no, I, I I had no problem. I <laughs> said, you know, we, we at the PHWA, the the votes are revealed, so I, I've got zero problem with it. I think that's <laughs> the way it should be. But I remember when I Pierre LeBrun and I were talking about it on our podcast, and I can't remember, I, I can't remember who he, he might have had Victor Hedman, and I said, yeah, I had Charlie McAvoy. There's this pause, and he, I'm like, I, I'm okay with it, right? You don't have to protect me. I feel I feel good about that. So, but I think it, it won't be the he's going to end up on a lot of ballots moving forward. He's a terrific player. And uh, so let me ask you then, Shannon, what'd you make of the Bruins? I thought sort of an interesting late first day of free agency uh, with the moves uh, uh, Don Sweeney made there and, and, and really addressing, I thought some important needs. What do you think? Yeah. Don Sweeney has the tendency or he did in his first few years with Boston to wait and see what's available. And I think that that hurt them a little bit at the beginning of the day in free agency because things were dropping left and right. But he he had been interested in Linus Olmark all day. So the fact that he signed him, I did not think was a surprise. He traded Dan Vladar out so we didn't have too much goaltending on the cap. Now, I didn't like the Derek Forward signing at all. Um, I think that was much too high for what he was paying Nick Foligno and Taylor Hall and his forward. He's paying far too much on the back end and not the front end. Right. Um, so now he's got to figure out what he's going to do with Jake DeBrus contract. If he wants to do anything else in free agency. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. And I'm, I'm, I'm a huge, I mean, I'm in a very large group, but a big Nick Felino fan. And I know it's not, I just, you know, it was obvious that Minnesota was interested in ha possibly having both Felino brothers, Nick and Marcus yeah. in Minnesota. And of course, didn't re you know, I think my sense of it is if you wanted to go back to Columbus, that was, uh, you know, a possibility, but that's what I thought he was doing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, and, but I like the fit in Boston and, and just the connection. He's a, he's an emotive guy. And I, I, the connection to the community and with his daughter's health and, and, and how, um, you know, he's been so supportive of the medical community in Boston. I don't know. Maybe those things don't mean any, make any difference. And maybe it's just the media. It's no, a I'm a story. huge, huge locker room chemistry person. Yeah. It makes oh. much more of an impact. Maybe it's just because I'm a Boston fan. I know that that's some, it's significant for them specifically. I thought they were in fantastic shape until the following day when David Krejci said he wasn't coming back. And now I think yeah. that's, that's going to be a pretty large hit that David Krejci, uh, excuse me, Don Sweeney is going to have to figure out yeah, losing your formidable second line center. Yeah. yeah but, good stuff. 
the cards will fall where they fall. But hey, that Dougie Hamilton move, Shane, you're going to come spend more time with me up in uh, New York, New Jersey for that one. <laughs> Absolutely. So that's a good segue then. Scott, who do you think right now, although there are main pieces like Jack Eichel that have not moved, uh, who do you think is winning free agency right now in terms of what they've been able to flip and what they've been able to improve on the back end? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And, and it, it's still... Like, I'm really curious to see what happens with Jack Eichel. And, you know, we know the back and forth with the agents and Kevin Adams there. So, and I don't know, to me, it's it's going to be so hard to move him. So I, I, I think he's still there. I, I like, I really like, um, you know, I, I really like Dallas. Um, again, sort of subtle, you know, Ryan Suter gets bought out in Minnesota. Um, you know, bringing in Braden Holby. I think there's a lot of, you know, the goaltending situation there is uh, very fluid in Dallas. Yeah. Um, but to me, they're a team that they never got over their COVID outbreak early on, right? So they never quite got where they needed to be. And um, I think they're going to bounce back. I think Ryan Suter is going to be a, a really nice fit on a back end that is, there's just still a lot of work to do. This John Klingberg is going into his contract year, and we're just talking about defense. What what's John Klingberg's number? Is it eight and a half or nine or eight, whatever that number is? But Jim Neal will have to deal with that at some point. But with Miro Heiskanen and uh Essa Lindell and now Ryan Suter back there. Holy cow, it's Sakara. That's a that's a formidable back end. And if well, we're and Dallas about took a, a big gamble signing Suter for four years. That was yep. a contract that was controversial for many teams. Not because Suter doesn't have anything left in the tank, but four years will put him at what, 40, 41 years old. So Yes. Yeah. yeah, I think he's 36. Yeah. So yeah, no, he's but I will and he, he's such an interesting guy. And um he just he just like he was still eating up huge minutes in Minnesota at the end. So I, you know, that's, that's sort of strange. Um, I do. And I like, I like, I like Tampa, you know, the no cap space still have to, you know, but to un, un and I just unload and I don't mean this in a disparaging way, but to move Tyler Johnson to Chicago, mm-hmm. um, you know, to find, um, some pieces to fit in Corey Perry. Um, I like Brian Elliott coming in as a backup to Vasilevsky. I just, you know, for a team that had so little to work with cap wise, it's still, it, it's amazing to watch them work. And I know people are still bitter, but the boy, Julian Brisebois has done a great job there. And even though they're going to miss Blake Coleman and Barkley Goodrow, and they're certainly going to miss Tyler Johnson and uh, Yanni Gord, uh, that team, it's still, it's still to me. You have to put them near the top of your list as okay. Who, on paper now, you know, weeks and weeks before training camp, who do you put at the top of your list? Tampa has to be in that vicinity, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, they did. They have quite a bit of competition in Florida. The Panthers had a great uh, trade deadline last year, and then they had a good, subtle offseason signing what they needed to sign this offseason as well. So I, I really like Tampa and how they've been looking the last year or so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all for the Battle of Florida. In fact, that might have been one of the most compelling playoff series uh, mm-hmm. of the of the bunch. And you know what a great story Spencer Knight, not just because I wrote about him recently, but um, you know, coming in uh, fresh from his college career and 
playing in an elimination game and giving up a shot in the first goal and winning that game and then playing well in, in game six. Um, Sam Reinhart, I, uh, you know, terrific pickup from Buffalo and then uh, signing Sam Bennett to a, um, you know, an extension or, or he was an RFA, but keeping Sam Bennett in the fold after picking him up from Calgary at the deadline. Um, Billy Zito has done a terrific, terrific job there. That defense is really good. I think, and, and I talked to Roberto Luongo about this, the relationship between Sergei Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight is going to be really important. But, but I think both those goalies, I think the dynamic's going to be really good, and it's going to be good for both of them, I think. And Roberto Luongo likened it to his own experiences in Vancouver when Corey Schneider came up and was really pushing him. And you can't, you know, unless you're Vas- Tampa with Andre Vasilevsky, you have to have a goaltender who can play 35 or 40 games. It's not one and five, right? Or A and D it's you got to have a and a one or whatever it is. You have to have that tandem. And I think Florida has that. And and I think that I just, I I like how I think they're going to push Tampa at the top of what I think is going to be the best division in hockey in the Atlantic next year. So I'm with you on that. It hurts. (laughs) <laughs> but okay, I have to ask on a different side of things. We've brought up the media a few times. Are you optimistic? Are you cautious about hockey coverage moving from NBC over to ESPN and Turner? Yeah, no, I think I think it's healthy, and this is uh, you know I think I think NBC was important during the time you know they carried them the NHL um, you know out of that. I know they had different names and different permutations, but basically you know, sort of out of that 0405 lockout and, and, and coming in and solidifying the broadcast broadcast landscape, um, you know, along with it came the winter classic and the outdoor games and some of the signature events that became, you know, synonymous, I think with NBC's coverage. Um, and I, I think I, I like the idea though, of something, you know, the, the fact that now you have two national broadcasters in the United States, I, I like the idea. We see it with baseball and basketball, that sort of synergy of cross promotion, but also I, you know, there's no doubt there's some competition between the two, like who I, people will want to know. What do you think? Do you like ESPN's coverage better than you like Turner's or how will that shake down? And we've already seen with the hirings, some of the highest profile names in, in, in the hockey business or the hockey broadcast business have, fallen on one side or the other of that uh of that broadcasting line so i I think it's really um i think it's important for the league i I really hope there's i hope that both sides are looking at well it's in some ways it is a blank slate right it's been a long time since espn had the games turner's never had them do something different have some fun let's make sure let's make sure everyone in the game is represented and again that you know cutting across all those lines uh, that sometimes hockey doesn't do a good job at let's make sure that this is a these broadcasts represent everyone who wants to be part of the game and it's a big challenge it's easy to say it's hard to do but i hope that i hope we see that from both of them yeah the clean slate is something we talk about frequently i'm a big basketball fan so i watch obviously the coverage there and a lot of not that nbc didn't have this but a lot of what makes 
basketball coverage successful is the personality that they have, you know, during intermission reporting or during pregame and things like that. So I'm really optimistic looking at ESPN and Turner, hoping that obviously hiring Kevin Weeks is a big step in that direction since he's incredibly entertaining to watch. But seeing some of those guys take a different approach to how they're covering the games and maybe bringing in different people that didn't find hockey interesting prior if they're watching a different way that it's covered. So obviously a great opportunity. Yeah, I, I totally. I, I and, and I, yeah, whether it, there are just so many really smart people connected to the game, they we need to make sure that that lots of them have their voices and that there is an opportunity to say things that are important and not just do the cookie cutter. Like to me, the, the biggest failing will be if we watch ESPN and we watch Turner and it looks exactly like we've seen from yeah, NBC for the last decade, then why, why that would be a disappointing. That would be a disappointing turn of events, and this isn't a slag against NBC, but let's let's make it better, right? Let's make it better or different. So here's hoping that that's what we see. Yeah, we're so glad we got to sit down with you. I'm sure there's a lot more to cover before the season even starts. We'll definitely be chatting again at some point in the world. But tell everyone before we sign off where they can find you on social and where they can read all of your takes. Yeah, I, you know what? I'm just going to look at my Twitter, remind myself of what my Twitter <laughs> handle is. What is it here? It's, uh, yeah, there we are, at Overtime Scott B. Yes, sir, you can find me there whenever you like. Um, and uh, and call anytime. Happy to, always happy to chat hockey. There is, there's truly no off season, as you know. So even in the off season, happy to chat hockey. And uh, thank you very much for having me aboard. And, and let's see what happens you know, come September, the great thing is there, there will never be a shortage of stories, never a shortage of, of things that are, are important to talk about. So I'm, uh, I'm honored that you had me aboard and call anytime. Oh, 100%. And guys, you know where to find us in the meantime, all your hockey coverage, Twitter, S- Shannon. Stop it, Shannon. <laughs> Twitter, S- Sweethearts Pod, Instagram, Slapshot Sweethearts. You guys, that's no surprise to you. We want to click the same buttons all the time. We will see you guys again real soon. Bye. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.